Good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Down by Law. I'm your host, Daryl A. Gray, the magnag- magnanimous, the wonderful, the awesome, the humble, the appreciative. Can you hear me? I'm loud and clear. Big Lee behind the keyboard, making sure that everything comes out the way it's supposed to. Guys, this weather in New Orleans is driving me insane. What are we doing here? Are we going to have a cold carnival? Are we going to have a warm carnival? What's going on? Yo. <laughs> Sinuses are going crazy. Guys, so glad to be here with you today on this beautiful, balmy Thursday morning here in Mid-City, New Orleans, on the beautiful campus of the historic HBCU, Xavier University, who has announced that they have a med school coming online that is absolutely fantastic and long overdue that should be celebrated you know xavier is xavier is like one of the crown jewels of of the state of louisiana you know south in general because of what it provides for so many uh career-minded and ambitious students you know they get an opportunity to come and learn at a uh, institution that cares a lot about them you know and that's what we need um, speaking of of learned young men, ambitious men, we have Mr. Lewis H. Thomas. Is it H? It is H. Yeah. Lewis H. Thomas the third. Yes, here in the studio with me today, and Lewis is one of the attorneys at Wright and Gray. If you don't know, I'm one third of the trifecta, which is uh, the partnership of Eric Wright, Daryl Gray, and Senator James Harris. We make up. Right and Gray Law Firm, and Lewis is one of the uh, pillars and one of the strongest attorneys we have in the office. So I want to welcome him today to Down by Law. We're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. Lewis, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate that uh, that gracious introduction. Doing well. <laughs> Lewis, you know, let me say this about you, man. I'm going to say it on the air. I know we got a lot of people listening. Um, I'm so proud that you are a part of um, of our firm because. You are an extension of the vision that we had when we started the firm by giving, um, you know, people a place to come and become who they're supposed to be in this in this uh, profession they're working because it's a very difficult profession. Um, it's not a lot of us black us being black men in this profession, and it's definitely not a lot of us doing things on the level by which we do it on um, in the in the civil litigation side, the personal injury, you know, plaintiff side of the game. And we do have the largest black law firm in this city. And you've been a part of that and seeing your growth over the last year has been amazing. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I want you to, you know, first give everybody kind of an introduction to who you are. Give everybody your bio. Okay. Um, as I said, Louis H. Thomas III, uh, originally from Marrero, um, went to Archbishop Shaw High School, uh, with the Tulane University for undergrad, played football there and majored in finance, uh, worked a bit, and then ended up at Loyola for law school, graduated in 2016. Uh, from that point, I did I worked primarily in insurance defense, auto insurance defense, uh, uh, for most of the big-name clients, and then transitioned to uh, plaintiff's, the plaintiff's field, uh, especially working out right and great being, and doing what I feel is – 
and doing what I feel is good good work and God's work helping the people now being on this side. That's right, man. You so and we're gonna unpack a little bit of that. First, I want to say you went to Tulane on a football scholarship. You played football at Tulane, right? And I know you. You know we've been messing with you about this at the office. How excited you've been, you've had on Tulane gear? I think almost every day since Tulane won that bowl game against USC. Absolutely, I've been obnoxious with it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like nobody's gonna be able to tell me nothing for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the year to the season start. That's that was a so Tulane has had big seasons in the past. Like they went undefeated one year. Was that Sean King when they were? What? Yeah, the nineteen ninety eight season with Sean. King. Nineteen that was a long time ago. Nineteen. <clears throat> 1998. So they've had great seasons. Tulane has, you know, this is New Orleans, so obviously it's fertile ground for high school football talent. So Tulane has always had really good players. Yeah. But beating USC in a bowl game, was it in California? No, it was in Texas. Texas at uh, Cotton, Bowl. Cotton Bowl, yeah. That's a big win for that program, for it, y'all's program. It was amazing. And we, we tra- people were worried about our ability to travel, and we came out there and showed out. <clears throat> Jerry's world, and it was absolutely amazing. It's great for the program. How, how, so, tell me how, how they really made you feel like I, sitting there watching. Because, because it was, it was, it was, it wasn't a, it was a USC game until like what the last couple of minutes. To maybe? the last, to about the last six minutes, because we were down most of the game, and like at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I think we were still down like two scores, and so we were kind of glad to be in it. But once the game started changing. Me and my homeboy, I was like, we were like, we turn it like, we really gonna win this, and like that, you know, for our teams, we would normally figure out a way to fumble that at some point, and they pulled it out. It was just surreal, like just the adrenaline, the emotion, and we were absolutely exhausted afterwards. But it was great. That's wonderful, man. When I tell you, that's just a an amazing experience for somebody. You know, you're you're an alumni. You played on the football team, so you know. I mean, I, you're probably looking at every play like, ooh, 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 you know, just yeah. it, living, <laughs> living in the game. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, I'm hats off to you guys. I know I'm, you know, you guys are very, very happy about that. Um, and that means that y'all, what do y'all have coming back? What y'all got left in the tank? We got so the quarterbacks coming back. We've got a good bit of the defense coming back. We do lose one of our star middle linebackers. Uh, I think we lose a couple of pillars on defense, but we have. A great in the running back, unfortunately, um, Tajay Spears, who ha- had an amazing game. Uh, we're going to lose him, but I know we got, as far as running backs in the tank, we do have, we kind of stacked at that position, and we got a good recruiting class coming back. So I feel really good about the future. What was the final re- uh, se- uh, record for the season for Tulane? We just, were we 11 and 2? 11 and 2? Yeah. That's a so. big season. Yeah. Man. That's a big season. Wow. Well, that's great, man. Kudos to you guys. I, you know, I know the alumni is ecstatic. Um, and now you got something left to, you know, we got another team in Louisiana to root for and get behind, which, you know, right. Tulane, has a, Tulane has a national alumni base. Mm. It's a big school that people come from all over the country to go to Tulane. So that's going to be great. I'm looking forward to next season. Um, I hope you don't hope that doesn't interfere with your good work that you've been doing up until this point. No, 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 no. <laughs> I may I make it a point to just get to the games, but I pencil out time for it. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit more about your background. You have um you like I said, you graduated from Tulane, you graduated from Loyola Law, same school I graduated from, so we both went there. Uh, and when you got out of law school, wait, but when you graduated Tulane, you worked for in your family business for a moment, right? Yeah, I worked uh worked for my dad's company. We did uh commercial construction. Okay. Yeah. How long did you do that? 
almost two years. And so I did the finances and handled the books. But, you know, it's one of those things, especially when you're in your early 20s working with your dad. Like there was we clashed a bit and it was it got better once we stopped working together. <laughs> right, 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 right. How long had how long had, had your dad been in? Uh, commercial construction he transitioned into it i believe in 96 97 before that he was actually in the real estate so he was one of the largest black real estate brokers on the west bank in the early 90s uh, his company was la thomas and associates mm-hmm. and so he basically did that for a bit then transitioned into commercial construction he, his first uh construction company was this construction company called lewis frank construction and they actually did a bit of construction on boomtown casino over there on the West Bank, and then he branched off into the company LHT Services, and we did a good bit of commercial work and a lot of work for the core engineers. So let me let's talk about that for a minute, because that's 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 some substantial work you're talking about. How how did that affect you growing up? Like how did that influence you seeing your dad like being an entrepreneur and, and being successful at it? How did that affect your your? Um... It it was it, that that was what I thought things should be like. Watching him not work for anybody made it hard for me to like. Want, I always wanted to have my own. I understand like I need to learn and go through certain avenues, right. but watching him be the entrepreneur was always my motivation. To one day, I I want to be either owner, partner, or running my own business, and not necessarily. And then I watched him have to go through like certain trials and tribulations. Like he was. He basically learned on the go, so a lot of those missteps and a lot of being taken advantage of sometimes by other people, older people who, you know, been in the game, yeah, for a while. been in the game a little yeah. bit longer than him. You learn from those <clears throat> mistakes, but it was always a motivational factor to watch him just get up there and get it every day. And like, no matter how he had to get it, that was always, you know, no, we talk about this at the office. There ain't no excuses about anything. You need to figure out a way to get it done, and that's how Absolutely. I got Ricks. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, but you know that 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 gives you the uh, the drive to succeed and, and and go through obstacles and overcome obstacles and take on challenges as just that just a challenge for you to you know kind of put yourself in a better position and learn from it because a lot of people don't understand that you know a lot of people are de- deterred when they run into any kind of opposition to what their they think their goals are so uh, when like you know I, I think that I always look at my children in terms of seeing two parents who are entrepreneurs doing what entrepreneurs do every day, like working it and always on the grind. But then at the same time, being able to afford a certain lifestyle and, and putting, put them in a position to where they can enjoy certain things in life. And if you understand, like, that's what, if you grow up with that mentality, like, you know, I just work like I, that's, that's what I want to build something. I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable and knowing that, you know, I have to get up and do all this to, to, to be successful at what I'm choosing to do. You know that's a that's a that's a great gift to give you know your children or anybody in their, in their regard to just give them something where they can understand how how to get things done. Right. You know, um, and that industrious mindset, um, especially I've seen that with you in terms of your work ethic and you you know even just like you're always on time, you're always there, you know, with your head down, just kind of grinding it out, and that's what it takes to be successful in life because I mean time is so finite. Right. So you know the effort that you put in under certain under certain time constraints really is going to dictate, you know, what you get out of out of out of life and out of most situations. So that's I mean you, that was a blessing in and of itself for you to grow up and see that as a kid. So what what made you want to go to law school? Always wanted to go to law school. Well, two reasons. So 
uh, Reginald Lewis, the the attorney. So my dad made me do a book report on him when I was in fourth okay. grade. So like that was always kind of like he he always pointed to him as a figure, and, but uh, he also talked about law. Basically, understand like you need to know the law so you can understand the rules. And right. so he's like, I made a lot of mistakes, so you don't have to going through this. And then there was also like an attorney that he dealt with, you know, in his business dealings that I've, you know, he took advantage of him over the time. And, but he, that's because he didn't understand what was right. going on. So whether I, I never knew what exact, what it, part of practice I wanted to go into, but I always knew I was like, I need to know the law so I can know the rules and go back and help people like me in my community. So I could be some form of a resource for him. Right. And because I think, you know, growing up, we I, I didn't know any lawyers. We didn't know any lawyers. So I think that what we do for the community is provide that resource to people, especially our people. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Like, I didn't know any any lawyers when I was growing up. You know, you um, you really, for us, is all you only needed a lawyer when you were in trouble most times. Right. Like, and you stayed out of trouble. You never had an opportunity to meet a lawyer. So. Like, I look at now, and I know that you probably share this same sentiment. Like, look at our classmates that went to law school with, people we went to college with, and they have all these lawyers in their family. You know, you we we I didn't have that. Right. I don't know anything about that and how that works. But now, as, as a lawyer, I see how that's such an advantage in life mm-hmm. to have somebody that you know personally who is an attorney that you can go in bounce things off of right. it can di- kind of help you navigate the legal system because the legal system is a big scary monster for a lot of people when Absolutely. you don't have any knowledge of how to how to work through that that system so that's that's huge and then to take on the challenge and say oh you know and have that seed planted in you so early on by your dad is great because he understood the value of a legal education and you went in that direction and when you became a lawyer and got a chance to you know start working you you always, you know, like you said, you always had the desire to help people, but the know-how is the thing, right? right. And you, you were able to pick that up, and you know, now as a practicing lawyer, we do get a chance to help people on a daily basis. I mean, we change lives. Yeah. You know, that's that's fair to say, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, let's talk about how before we get into what, you know, what how you know the transition that you made and where you are now. Let's talk about when you got out of law school. Now you you know you don't know any lawyers, but you went to law school, and now you've passed the bar. What was your you know what was the job search like? What were the first steps that you took to get a job? Job search brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not knowing anybody, not especially not knowing anybody in that circle. I was I was you know the whole Indeed job search thing, right. but then any time I would see anybody having some kind of networking event, any type of uh, lunch and any type of fundraiser. I'm going there. I got these cards made with just my, with my information on it. So I was passing those things out everywhere, and uh, just anybody I could try to like make a connection, see if, and I would even meet with other, meet with other older attorneys just to get advice on like what do you think I should do as far as trying to get a job. Even I was debating on just putting up my own shingle, just trying to see right. that because at that point I was still barred. Backing at Lucy's retired uh, surf because I worked there during law school, so I was still doing that until I got my first job. Wow! <laughs> so you worked you worked at Lucy's as a bar back as a bar. Yeah, I had a bunch of jobs during law school. I worked at Lucy's as a bar back. I worked at Metro as a door security person, and then I coached high school football for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you were Jamaican in law school. Yes. Was, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, gotta go to work. <laughs> 
but again, that's that's a testament to the kind of character you have and a person that you are because you know you did what you needed to do. Mm. You know, and a lot. I mean, again, that's you know that's character building, that's 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 upbringing, that's having something in you like I'm going to be successful and whatever challenges that come with that, I'm going to overcome that and get to where I want to be. So, what what was your first lawyer job? So I was working at a uh, defense firm. Um, and I was at uh, the, the Ruin Law Firm. So we did uh, primarily insurance defense, auto defense, and a little bit of premise uh, liability. So so let's let's talk about because you do something. We do something different at Wright and Gray, yeah. right? So let's let's. A lot of people don't understand what a defense firm is. Mm. So let's distinguish what you were doing and what you're doing now. Okay. So at that point, I was. So when a person files a lawsuit when they're injured uh, in an automobile collision, they're normally suing the person who hit them and then their insurance company. So I was representing the basically the defendant who struck your vehicle and their insurance company. Most so trying to make sure you didn't get it. Like I was compensated for making sure you got as least <laughs> amount of money as possible. <laughs> so, so, and the way we describe it is you on the other side of the V working on behalf of the insurance companies and which is, not a good thing for me. Like, I just think that's, you know. But, hey, here's the thing about that. That's a fertile learning ground yeah, to be able to make a switch. Because, first of all, when you're out looking for a job, you're going to take a job. Right. You know, you need to get you need to get experience. You need to learn things. And everybody go through, they go through different phases as they go through the process of becoming an attorney and, and learning how to practice law. Because the ultimate goal should always be to to put yourself in a position where you're working a job that you really really like, right? And something that you know that gives you peace. Because this is very stressful work. Okay. I mean, we fight for a living. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not physically fight, but yeah. even though sometimes you, you want, want to, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's you you fight with words and you fight with letters and all of this stuff every single day. Yeah, and it's strategy is you know gamesmanship is a lot of things that go into what we do. And you were doing that on behalf of insurance companies. Yes. And you, how many years did you do that? I'd say probably, at least in some capacity, four, almost five. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, that's a pretty long period of time. Yeah. You know, some people do it for their whole careers for 30 years. Yeah. I don't know how, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to do it either. Yeah. That's, it sucks to eat at your soul. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you're a soulless being <laughs> if you're representing insurance companies for Twenty years, yeah. It take like like <laughs> like keeping people from being compensated for their injuries for twenty years. That is crazy. Yeah, acting like it's your money, like it's your money. Yeah. And these people are <laughs> these people are injured, hurt, and you're saying, you know what? I don't care. You don't. You're only worth X. You only. I don't. I as long as I've done this and as I've collected millions and millions of dollars for people. I still struggle with putting a dollar value on somebody's injuries. Right. And the problem is, and I think a lot of them, and this is when I wanted to leave, is they stop looking at people as people. Right. And they start looking at, like, they don't understand the humane aspect of it. Like, when they start looking at, well, you didn't go to treatment at this point, or you missed this and this. It's like, people have lives. Lot. Like, I, 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 if you if you work a shift job where, you know, you you get X amount of hours a week, if you take that off to go to treatment, you're not getting paid. So if you got a family to feed, like that's gonna be substantial. Or if you got a boss who wants you to come to work, like he, you know, you hurt, if, but he if, don't understand. If you have a life, yeah. And you know, again, 
going it's that's the struggle, right? Because people say, well, Daryl Gray, you're insane. Somebody was in a car accident, you asked for $10 million. Right. Well, how do you how can I, first of all, put a dollar amount on somebody's life? But to to the contrary, how can you put a dollar value on this person's injuries? That's gonna that's gonna affect that, that person for the rest of their life. Right. Who are you? Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the struggle that I have with in the insurance industry and how they quantify human suffering. Because like you said, they take the humanity out of it. It's like that you're 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 just a number, like you're a formula. Yeah. And that's a very, very scary thing. But that's what that's what people don't understand about the system. And you were able to work in that system for four to five years, but you learned a lot of a lot of what goes into yeah. injury claims and how they're evaluated and how the insurance industry works from the inside, which well, is great. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, they, I mean, they, most of the time there is, they'll probably get mad. There's like a formula that they use. And that, like you said, like people aren't people, they're more so a number. So they'll plug in you in your accident. Like, are you treated for this amount of time? They'll judge the, like what they think the impact might be right. based on photos and how they think they don't know. They don't know you from, anybody but they and they'll come up in their mind how hurt you are how hurt they don't think you are or how they think it'll affect your life based on nothing but their numbers and their own personal bias right and so that you know you get in talk and, and with the bias, the bias that's a huge bucket we start talking about how biased these insurance justice and the, the opposing counsel insurance defense attorneys a- absolutely i mean that that bias it, in my mind, especially for our people, they start talking about racism, and everything like we're subhuman mm-hmm. when it comes to how cases are evaluated. We get a, we get a little subhuman in that regard too. Like, well, you know, this person is not, you know, they 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 only do this kind of work and this that, you know, they just they just start to really nitpick on a person's life Absolutely. and dignity, right? And that's that's a terrible thing. Uh, and you you saw that from the inside, and I, I know it was hard for you to stomach. Cause I remember having conversations with you when you first came over to 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 the firm, and you were like, "Man, <laughs> I don't know how long I was going to be able to make it." I, yeah, especially because uh, yeah, it didn't you know you could be yourself here, but didn't like just listening to them because they like they you know like well, look you're not like those, and it's like but you sitting there talking about wow. somebody that's like we share similar backgrounds, like that is a person that is like me. I know you wow. think that I'm different, but like. You're talking about them like they're not a person. We just had that deposition. You're making fun of the way they speak, the way they do this, the way they do that. And wow. that's what you're going to go ahead and write in your report to your client as your basis for why you should give them X, Y, and Z. Right, right. That, yeah. is te- that, that is, people do not understand it. Like, you know, like you're talking, like, say, for instance, you know, the, the average person gets involved in an accident and we're representing them and, you know, they're frustrated because the process is taking long but they don't understand the fight that we're having yeah. on their behalf every day, just with the justice, the attorneys. Like we're, we're fighting, uh, and I, we try to, you know, our best to under, make our clients understand that, and we do understand that it can be a long and frustrating process. But we are fighting every day, every single day, over things that we shouldn't have to fight over. And too, you know, that's one of my issues. And then you have, you know, and the the crazy part about it is this: you know, there are a lot of law firms out here. And you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't anticipate having this very extensive conversation about this, but, uh, and I do want to move on to some other stuff. But there are a lot, like when you when you're picking a law firm, when you're choosing a lawyer, you have to consider a couple of things because just because somebody 
holds himself out to be some, a, a lawyer that represents people who are injured, that doesn't mean that person's going to represent you in the way that you should be represented. Right. Because a lot of them play the game just like the insurance defense companies do. Yeah. And they're just not necessarily looking at you as a person, just getting this business in and figuring out how oh, we can get this settled for X, Y, and Z and get this person in and out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, And that's tough because – you know, a lot of times I, I hear I hear people people walk up to me and say, "Hey, I had an accident, so and so, so on." They start telling me the facts, and like, "Oh man, uh, I'm a you know my lawyer settled the case for for sixty thousand dollars. Was that a good settlement?" Well, let me tell me a little bit more about it. And I'm like, "You should have got like a half a million dollars, right? Right." But they don't. But you don't know that yeah. as a as a novice, as a non lawyer, you don't know that your case is worth a half a million dollars, and your lawyer just got you sixty, right? You don't understand it, but we see that's the thing. That's the big difference between, you know, it, it's like with anything you do in life or anything that you that any any service or any consumer good. There's levels, right? Mm. There's workmanship, quality, you know, all of that stuff kind of varies, and you get what you pay for. You know, all of this stuff, all those old adages kind of apply, and you know, you know, when you're looking for a law firm, you need to make sure that you're getting people that have been there, done that understand who you are as a person because right. that's the most critical point. Right. They have to understand that you are an individual and then base the representation of you, the individual, the injured person upon your individuality. Right. And that's, that's a very difficult thing for a lot of lawyers to grasp. Yeah. But they don't, that's cause they don't understand people. They don't understand our people. They don't right. understand us, you know? So, I, I mean, we have, have you seen that to be, what, how do you feel about that? And have you seen that to be something that, that a lot of people deal with? When people walk up to you on the street, do they talk to you about your case? You'd be like, ooh. Well, yeah, yeah. When they're talking about the cases that they might have. Right, some, right. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm sorry that was your experience. And they'll tell me like, well, this, this, and this. And then I start asking questions like, did they ask you this? Did they consider this? Right. And they'll be, and a lot of times it's like basically, no, they just kind of got me in, got me out. You know, I didn't really have. It's not a. It's a personal experience. Like when we do intake, we take a, the time to learn each individual because your case, your case is every case is different, mm -hmm. is, and it's different because you're different. And so, just not just the facts of the case, and we work it, you know, to your needs and the things that are going on with you. And I don't think a lot of other officers, unfortunately, do that. Right. And that's 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 the that's one of the difficult parts about. Uh, for a lot, I mean, I'm putting myself in the potential client shoes of the person who's been in a car accident or whatever kind of injury case they may have. You know, you don't know that. How right. do you find out that information? Like, how do you find out information to say, okay, this is the right law firm for me? Or, you know, maybe not this guy, but that guy. You know, what questions to ask when, I, when I'm um, looking for a lawyer? What advice would you give people in that regard? I would ask, well, I definitely I think – one, the personal feeling that you get from an attorney is like, I'd say, at least for me, the, the major key factor. You want somebody who actually cares about you in your case. Right. So not just let's get these, you know, let's get you uh, sent off the treatment like, you know, what's going on in your life? How is this affecting you? Um, what do you need? Those kind of things. So they can build a case around that to make sure you get compensated for everything that you need. And it needs to be a place that I would think that feels like home or like feels like family because this they're helping you with a very serious aspect of your life. Right. So you want to go to somebody you can trust and not somebody you necessarily just, you know, see him on TV. He's got a nice catchy jingle. Like, let's go there. Right. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. And that's that's the tough part, too. Like a lot of people, they just don't know. And it's 
you know, it's the industry is set up to where, you know, people, some people have a boy bullhorn and they're out just, boom, blah, 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 blah. you know, call me, call me now, call me now, call me now. But you're not hearing anything of substance. Right. To show you like, listen, man, if you call us, you're going to be treated with respect and dignity. Right. We're going to take the time out to learn you as an individual. And we're going to take that. We're going to empower ourselves with that knowledge to go out and fight on your behalf and get you what you deserve. Right. That's not what you're hearing. You're just hearing like, oh, call me now. You yeah. know, with the, with the catchy jingle. And yeah, a lot of people go for that. Right. It's like, it's like you know, setting the hook. Yeah, well, they they use that to try to get us, but don't necessarily take care of us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about. So, look, we talked about, before we started the show, we talked about um, uninsured motorists coverage. Right. And a lot of people don't understand what that is. Like if they have it, they feel like, you know, if I file a claim on my uninsured motorist yes. coverage, I'm going to be uh penalized by the insurance company. Let's let's right. unpack that a little bit. This is this is coming from Lewis, the former insurance right. defense attorney who knows all the ins and outs uh, of all of this uh, all stuff. The, all the you. So, uninsured motorist coverage is the type of insurance coverage that you can add um to your policy that basically insures you in case the person that hits you doesn't have insurance or enough insurance. So let's, if you're in getting an accident with somebody who hits you, who doesn't have any insurance, you can tap into that part of your policy to pay for any medical bills and damages that you have. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people think that when they make claims against it, it'll go ahead and raise your rates. So and it, that is your insurance policy that you pay. It is illegal for any insurer to raise your rates based on any UM claim that you make. And if they do raise your rates uh, based on any insurance claim that you make against your UM policy, they are subject to potential bad faith penalties. You can file a lawsuit against them, uh, get damages and your attorney's fees for that. And unfortunately, like in with the UM, they have a duty to treat you, treat you with duty. They are your, um, they have a fiduciary duty, fiduciary you duty yeah. as your insurer. And that comes with any claims that they, and they have 30 days to make an assessment and go ahead and give, you know, a settlement or tell you that they need any additional information. And if they don't, um, and sometimes that often happens in our business, basically with a justice <laughs> who, are, who have their own biases and things of that nature, that they would call, be called with arbitrary and capricious. And you could go ahead and uh, file for bad faith claims on it. Right. Yeah. If you just tuned in, you're listening to an episode of Down by Law. I'm talking to um, attorney Lewis H. Thomas III. We're talking about all things law. You know, we're going to get into some current topics. If you want to talk to us, if you want to ask a question, you got two lawyers right now. We can be reached at 504-582-9422, WBOK 1230 AM. The talk line. We're here on Xavier Campus. Call us if you want to talk or if you want to ask some questions, get some free legal advice. It's non-binding because we're not signing a contract with you. We're just throwing some stuff out in the air for you. We are lawyers. We know what to say. So, Lewis, okay, with the UM, right, and people always, like, they get so nervous, especially black folks. They get so nervous. Like, I want my insurance rates to go up. Man, that's illegal. (laughs) It's illegal. They can't do it. You pay for that coverage because that coverage is designed to – compensate you when somebody doesn't have any insurance or doesn't have enough insurance right. to, to cover all of your damages, your right. injuries. So that's built into your policy. That's a, that's one of those um, add-ons that you pay for. You don't have to take it out. You can decline it in most states. 
Um, but if you do take it out, that's built into your policy. Absolutely. You pay for that. You pay for that. Yeah. So you just leaving money like if somebody hits you and you, you know, I, I hear people, I hear it all the time, maybe once or twice a month. I'm not filing a UM claim. I don't want that's I don't want to go against my insurance. That's what he said. I don't want to go against my insurance. Right. <laughs> I don't want to go against my insurance. You're not going against your insurance, ma'am. No. You're you're getting compensated for something you already paid for. It's right. in your policy it's sitting right there for you. Yes. This is the reimbursement for the things that you've been paying for. So right. Honestly, you should all if if you need to go after it and you need those for your damages, you should. And, Absolutely. And if they do for whatever reason, uh, raise your rates for that. You know, call an attorney, call yeah. us, and we can go ahead and take care of that. That's right. That's bad faith, and they got they got all kind of statutes built out in case law and everything else to to make sure that you are compensated for that too. Because you know, we have an insurance commission, we have rules and uh, regulations in the state to keep insurance companies honest. Because you had you you said a couple of buzzwords that we understand, but a lot of people may not understand it. You know, when you start talking about uh, capricious and arbitrary or bad faith and things of that nature, that all that means is that your insurance company is mistreating you, yeah. and they're not they're not um, they're not doing what they should do as somebody that should protect you in a, in an instance where you have been harmed. Right. So if they're doing things that's that's counter to them, they have a duty to provide you a certain level of service and to investigate your claim timely, to pay it out timely. They have a duty by by law to handle the claims process on your behalf in a certain way that gives you, that gives you the treatment and the, uh, the dignity that you're supposed to get when you pay for this. And that's cause it's a, it's an agreement. It's a right. contractual agreement. Right. So it's bound by contract. Once you pay the money, sign up for the insurance company, they accept it and, and do and, and, uh, and issue coverage. Then that contract is binding. Right. And when you have these injuries and you have these accidents that happen and insurance company plays around with, um, adjusting your property damage, like coming out, seeing your car and all of this stuff. And right. It takes them four or five months. That's bad faith. Yep. You know, you're supposed to get out there quick and they, and they have, uh, they have, they have a, the insurance industry is, I call it the cartel, the insurance cartel, <laughs> the insurance cartels have, they are more powerful than most industries in America. Mm-hmm. They make, just imagine how many people who paid their, um, homeowner's insurance for 30 years and then they never had a claim and then Katrina hit and they didn't want to pay them. Right. That's, that's who y'all are dealing with. Yeah. And it's, is, it doesn't change when it gets to a car accident. It's mm-hmm. the same. They, they have the same level of, of evilness yeah. that, that applies to you. And they, they, they want, they want to look for every loophole, every technicality to get out of paying you. Yeah. That's why, you know, if, if insurance companies like what is good, good hands and no, what's the one? Uh, what's all states model? Good hands. Yeah, yeah, good hands. hands. If you were really in good hands, they wouldn't have lawyers on every corner. Trust me. Yeah. If these insurance companies really cared about you and they really they they plan on doing the right thing by the people that paid them, then they they, they would you would need lawyers. And the crazy thing is that um, they make so much money, so much money. It's insane. <laughs> It and yeah, it, the 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 profits that they make it so much, yeah, and they could afford to cut breaks. And even though you pay your premium every month, and you file a justifiable claim, they will look for reasons not to pay you every single time. All they the, don't uh, care. Like yeah. it ain't no, it ain't about what's right and wrong with them. No, they don't care. Yeah. Like they, most of them, I'm not gonna say every adjuster's like that, but most of them are like that. And, and you know they they come up with all of these crazy you know especially like here in Louisiana because they're trying to they're trying to reduce the lawsuits and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, 
that we have so many claims here in Louisiana, it's going to raise everybody's rates. The reason they raise rates is because they want to make more money. And yep. they use they use those though that propaganda and those tech those those uh tactics to try to convince people that there are too many lawsuits being filed. Right, yeah, because those rates are going up anyway. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. They do it anyway. <laughs> they just they just trying to they trying to fool you into thinking that, oh, we gotta do it because because of Katrina. Man, they had the 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 years after Katrina, they had more the profits were higher than probably the, the the I think it was the previous ten years the the, the next two years after Katrina. Right. These insurance companies play a dirty game, and they because just imagine if you pay your insurance for ten years and you never make a claim, you don't get a refund on the money that you paid. You that's not. their profit, right? Yeah. So all the money you paid and you never cost them a dime. Yeah. And think about how many people you know that never had an insurance claim. I had one in a certain period of time, and all of y'all are paying just. It's, it's a cash register for insurance companies. Nah, putting money in the money bucket. Yeah, I'm telling you, we got a caller, Kevin. How you doing? What, Kevin? Uh oh, you know I'm not this, Kevin. Hello. I think I hung up. All right. Yeah. So we we lost Kevin, but we, I'm sure he'll call back. But that's one of the things that most people don't get. And they don't understand. Like it's a it's a very dirty game, and it takes. The lawyers who understand the game, yeah, who understand the importance of fighting and advocating for you as an individual to help navigate that process and get you the money you deserve. It's like jumping through a lot of hoops, man. It's so many hoops, and just and they try to take advantage of people. Unfortunately, if you make a claim without an attorney, because mm. uh, they, they will try to, they'll get you on the phone quickly. You might have <laughs> extensive damages, and they're like, "Here's this quick settlement. Take this." You know, and to the average person, a quick two to $3,000 might seem like a lot, but your claim may be worth a lot more than that. They know that, but they don't want you to go get an right. attorney. Right, because they know at that point the stakes are high. They're going to have to pay the whole bit, and then they just don't want to They just don't want to deal with that. Uh, they want to try to get a – the quick settlement thing always kills me. Yeah. They'll call you up the first week, hey, here's $5,000. Yep. If they're willing to pay – Master P said he went to the record labels, and they would offer him a million dollars, like off the off out of the gate. He was like, no. Well, how much am I really worth? You really offer me a million dollars right now, right? That's that's how you got to think about it. Okay, we got Kevin back on the line. We're gonna take this call. Kevin, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, I understand what you guys were saying. Um, we get a car accident and people don't want to uh, file because it might go against it. I got kind of feeling about that way too. I read uh, if I'm wrong, if I the person wrong, I read a seller out because what happened. That's what I think. They have a record of you know, they'll keep a record of your accident and they might consider you might be a higher risk. Insurance. Insurance hate to pay money. Bottom line. If you get one or two accidents, they're gonna raise the rate on you if you to renew it. They don't like I guess drivers causing money, anybody causing money. Uh, so I guess that's the reason why we, um if you're the wrong, you probably want to um, uh, uh, settle with the person. Even though you pay money, a lot of money to the insurance, you don't want to get your rates go up. I, that's, that's, that's the wrong logic. Uh, can you wait, elaborate on that? How wait, did you, you say did you say if you're in the wrong? Oh, you're right, right. If you think you might be wrong, I might get a ticket by the all uh, uh, police. Well, and, Go ahead. I'm, go ahead. You had it. Says yeah, something. yeah. If, if you get in a car accident 
And if a police um, look at and examine, and uh, he get a ticket to you, and um, so you file your claim, you got a ticket because you did something wrong, cutting somebody, did a wrong turn or something, and you get a ticket. Okay, I got so, you. So, 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 so <clears throat> you know, um, if you think you're in the wrong, some people might say, let me go just settle with the driver and pay the driver because if you go in with your insurance, it depends on the damage. If you go on your insurance, they might keep a record of right. a, of of of, of, um, of his driving his history. Right. And you the driving history, you know, you're a risky driver. So yeah. you, know, you renew your insurance, you might raise your rate. And I think that's what people are afraid of. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I, right. I'm, I appreciate the call. I'm going to hang up, but we're going to talk a little bit about that question. So, yes. Yeah, so, there's a, you know, once... You gotta you gotta consider if you're at fault for accident. Right. Now, if you're at fault for an accident, that's definitely going to affect your race. Yeah. Because the more accidents that you you know quote unquote caused, um, that's going to say that you are a high risk driver. You know, it's just like they how they they have higher rates for new drivers, teenage drivers, right. than they do for somebody who's driven for a long period of time. That's why when you when you apply for insurance, they ask you all these different questions in terms of. You know, it's it's all a, a calculation for insurance companies because they want to hedge against, they want to hedge their bets against um, exposure for paying claims. So they're going to ask you, you know, how many accidents you've been in, how long you've been driving, how, have you ever had your license suspended, how many moving violations you have, what part they want to know what part of town you live in. You know, all these different things that go into determining the likelihood of you filing a claim or them having to pay a claim because of your actions behind the wheel of a, a vehicle or because of your ownership of a vehicle. So all of that factors in. So if you if you have caused, I've been the you know, are if you're liable for a, for accident or multiple accidents, that can definitely affect your rates. But in the event that you are not responsible for an accident and you have that UM coverage, that's when that's the coverage that you definitely need to try to use right. in that instance because that's not that's not a liability determination. That's just a built-in policy that's, that you purchase to protect you in the event that somebody else was liable for an accident and hit you or somebody else responsible for an accident and hit you and they don't have enough insurance or no insurance at all. Right. So that's what UM is for, un- uninsured motorists. But yeah, if you're, you know, if you, if you are, you know, I've, I've had, I've had a bit of bad luck behind the wheel of a car before I've had, I've caused accidents. And I think in the last, Couple of years, I probably had about five or six accidents. People just ran into the back of me. Yeah, I ran into the side of me. Just this is New Orleans. Like for some, I always tell people, you know, if you travel outside of the country, like the South America or somewhere like that, you're gonna feel at home because people the the not only does the sit do the cities look alike because New Orleans is basically like a Caribbean city, but people drive the same. <laughs> people drive. People in New Orleans drive very very strangely. Yeah, and we have a lot of accidents here more more so than you would see in other cities. Yeah, so that's something that factors in. So you could just be driving down the street and have a lot because we have a lot of clients who do the no fault of their own. They come in multiple times because of accidents. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of one right now, particularly who, j- who just unfortunately gotten three very like bad accidents, serious, serious accidents. accidents of no fault of his own, no fault of his own, <laughs> like broken ankles and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like that. But you know, that's just that's just one of those things. Like I don't know, I don't know what it is about about South Louisiana, but we see a lot of that. We see like repeated accidents. You know, not even just not even the people. Not even the clients being involved in accidents are being you know, injured in accidents, but people who have an accidents, a lot of them. Yeah, like it's just it's just weird. I don't know what that's about, but 
you know, that's why you got that uninsured motorist coverage because you want to be able to collect when somebody doesn't have enough insurance who is responsible for accident and, and therefore responsible for any injuries you had right. from that accident. You know, that's a that's a big piece of coverage. Um, Lewis, let's get into some more stuff, man. Let's talk about some current legal topics. Like, you know, we got – I want to talk about the, the, the thing that happened in Memphis with the young uh, guy who was – who was uh, killed when uh, by the police, uh, Tyree Nichols. Um, that's that's a, you know, we talked about it a little earlier. You know, the the fact that the city of Memphis moved so fast and terminating those guys. Right. I can't imagine. And I have not seen that video. I know a lot of people have seen it. I can't imagine what that video looks like. Yeah, and I haven't seen it either. And I also just can't imagine. But I, it, but. Definitely kudos to them for investigating and making that determination to go ahead and terminate those officers so quickly because that's what you're supposed to do. Like, right. If you're not upholding your duty to, law, to serve and protect and you're abusing the community, like you need to be terminated. Right. You know, a lot of people get confused when it comes to justice. I think even the prosecutors, you know, they get in the police, they get confused in justice when it comes to justice because it, by definition, justice is about doing what's right. Right. So if you have, it, not only are you supposed to, lock up people who did something wrong, but you're supposed to free people that, that you that didn't do anything wrong. Absolutely. Like you have that same duty. Like that duty applies on both sides when you're in that position, a prosecutor or a police officer. Um and like you said, the city moved very swiftly to terminate those guys and it was five officers. It was five black young black officers, right. which is heartbreaking yeah. because, you know, you got guys who, you know, you want you want officers that look like, you know, it's one of the things I always say about New Orleans. Uh, they're the, they have so many black officers who look like the people that they're policing. It's it's a different vibe, and you know, living in a city, you want to see police that look like you, thinking that they'll give you, you know, the interaction to be different, right? And when you see a situation like this, it's very disheartening. And I want to know how it got to the level that it got to, right? Because it's bad. For five, for five of them to do that to one person, like, well, yeah, what what caused that escalation? What and just, yeah, what was the rhyme and reason? And how do you not see yourself in this young brother? Right, just like you said, and that's that's what you hope when you see a black officer. Like maybe this person will get and understand these actions, and you know we can work through this in a different way than and not have such a tragic outcome. Right, it's gonna be you know I think right now the biggest concern is that the potential riots that can come out of this situation. But, you know, the dynamics are a little different. You know, normally when you see a police killing or something to that effect, a lot of times is is a white officer and a black right. uh, person that was killed by the police. So I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the outrage that potentially could take place in the, you know, the the, the uh, protests and things of that nature, which it could be the same. I don't know. But I think normally what we see is that when it has that, that racial tinge to it, right. it's a whole lot different. Like people people get really upset. and they, they're, they're sick of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, people are also just sick of police abuse of, you know. The po- yeah. Yeah, their power. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to find out how all of that works. But – you know, I think the city did the best thing by, you know, in terms of calming everything down by terminating those guys as soon as they were able to assess the evidence and look at, all, you know, 
body cams or whatever. Right. And it, I think and it helps with the community because they understand that their government is holding the officers accountable right. for their actions. So right. I definitely think that's a good thing. But like you say, I, and I agree with the potential for riots, but I would hope, hopefully that doesn't happen. But Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. So um, another thing I want to talk about, you know, we got we got out in Atlanta, Atlanta, Young Thug is on trial. And, yeah. it, and you know, whenever you have a, a hip-hop artist or rapper being, you know, dealing with the criminal justice system, they always try to use their lyrics yeah. against them as evidence. What's your What's your stance on that? I think I don't think it should be able to be. It's, it's supposed to be their art, and it, it's it's like they pick and choose times when to use somebody's work against them and when right. not, depending on who they are and what they do. And that should be a separate thing. If you're going to try to get these people on a charge, go ahead and do your job as a prosecutor and go actually convict them, and not necessarily like, oh well, he's rapping about this, so he must be doing this. Right. right. You know that's weird because I'm gonna tell you, I look at it and I've been really. I've been really thinking about it lately and, and how it how it goes into how it plays into a freedom of speech kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like you you know, we have constitutional protections against using words and things of that nature against people, but right. that also it's a slippery slope because like you can use stuff say stuff that can incite a riot. Right. And you can be charged in that regard. But when you start talking about the art form, because you can take <clears throat> you can you can find any genre of music that speaks to, you know, some of the same lyrical content right. that you find in hip hop music, but that isn't, you know, that isn't criminalized and that isn't used to try to say that there's some kind of gang affiliation or some kind of, you know, uh criminal intent and in solely in the lyrics or if that's a testament of some of the some past criminal acts. Right. You don't, you know, we don't again, we don't see that often. Um so let's let's take let's take a caller. We we, we kind of run out of time, but Miss Pam, we want to get you on the line. One second. Miss Pam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. My question is, I have homeowners, and I was affected by Ida, and I did a supplement because the money that they uh, gave me wasn't enough to beat the task. So I um, sent an um, extensive report with pictures, uh, a breakdown like they would normally do. So um, my project manager, he helped me get that done. So because he wasn't a contractor, they wouldn't um, they wouldn't accept it. So they told me I needed to get a contractor. So I went and got a contractor. So the contractor bid came in sort of high. So they like, um, well, we think that's too extensive um, per what we've already, you know, uh, inspected. So now they're denying me as well as loss of use. So now they're like, well, we have to send another expert out. We have to send an engineer out before we even pay any more money on this claim. Is that legal? Well, it <laughs> is it legal? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> is it unfortunate? And Miss Pam, we're gonna we're gonna answer your question, and, and we appreciate your calls. We're we're gonna hang up right now. Okay. Thank you. Uh, is it legal? Yes. Is it unfortunate? Yes. Is it a dirty trick? Yes. Absolutely. It's something that, that they always do to try to save a buck. Uh, but there's also a process by which you can you can um, challenge the determination of the insurance company um, and, and the homeowners process when you're filing those claims. You know, they got third party um, adjusters and things of that nature to kind of kind of push it to the middle 
Because they're always going to say your contract is too high. And it, just think about it. I mean, if the roles were reversed, when you want to save money, well, a lot of people will want to save money. They don't think right. about doing the right thing. Yeah. Their, their objective is not to do the right thing, is to save money. So, um, you know, the you have you have options there. You can always file a lawsuit. Right. Um, there's also mediation and things of that nature that you can use to try to get your property fairly assessed and adjusted to make sure you got what you need to, to cover um, the damages to your home. So that's something that you could uh, you can kind of investigate and look into. But you know, again, I and I hate to be this person. Well, no, let me not let me stop saying I hate to be this person because I'm just going to be real. Get a lawyer. Yeah. Don't play around with insurance companies. They're not they're not your friend. They don't care about you. They don't care if you if 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 that you get your roof fixed out the hurricane or not. They, they do not. They don't care. They don't care. So what you got to do is you have to find a lawyer who's very competent in that area of practice, who's going to take, you know, take the time and, and put in the effort to really thoroughly investigate your claim and get you the money that you're supposed to get. And it sounds like you were trying to do all the right things on your own, but it gets to a point to where, you know, you can only go, but so far you have to retain somebody. You have to get, get a lawyer to go ahead and, help you get where you get where you're supposed to be and they have you know they have um and when it comes to that homeowner stuff you know property damages they have um statutes and laws built in so the attorneys are compensated right through the statute so basically i'm saying that you don't have to pay any attorney's fees attorney fees are going to be paid by the insurance company right because because you had to hire a lawyer because you think about it if you if if it costs you ten thousand dollars to fix your roof and your lawyer gets you the ten thousand dollars, but you had to pay your lawyer attorney's fees okay. out of ten thousand. You still not gonna get your roof fixed, right? That's why the law. That's why the law set up for you to for you for the insurance company to pay your attorney's fees because you had to go hire somebody to get the ten thousand dollars to pay your roof uh, yeah. get your roof fixed. Okay, so we are coming to a end, and it's been a very. I told you it's gonna be a quick conversation. Yeah, it was. It was you got to come back on. We got to talk more more uh, law for the good people out there. Definitely, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So, so what's the plan for the day? You gonna make some money or what? Um, that is the plan. I got a couple of depositions later this afternoon, but I'm gonna try to get some things settled. Man, you, Lewis, how many how many depositions have you taken in life? Yeah, yeah probably over three or four hundred. And and how many years? Uh, this is the start of my seventh. Wow. Most people don't have that many in their career. That's crazy. We'll get Lewis back on to talk more about all this stuff. Guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Down by Law. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. We look forward to hearing from you again, and you'll see us soon. I hear us soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>